Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Fred, who is one of the managing directors leading the ING Venture uh, Ventures team. And we're going to talk about what ING does in terms of investing in startups, in fintechs, uh, in Europe and around the world. How, what's the approach, whether that's strategic or for profit or both, and uh, some of the success stories that uh, obviously they were able to pull off. So I'm curious to to hear more about you know ING's approach to investing in startups, given the ING's reputation in terms of digital transformation and uh, you know leading the way there in Europe. So hi Fred, how are you today? I'm good, thanks Rudolf. Thanks for having me on the uh, on your show. Great. So let's just dive into it, um, and maybe can you explain and briefly describe the ING's approach to startups overall? If you look at you know range of options that you have from partnering to investing. Yeah. So so ING has I'd say quite a long history of innovation in financial services, and and is probably one of the early adopters of technology in financial services. So a good example of that is is the creation of ING Direct, which was in the early nineties which um, arguably was one of the world's first fintechs. And, and uh, it's great to see that this innovation culture remains a strong part of ING's DNA today. Um, and we generally you know, believe in the relevance of disruption, uh, of, of transformation, and for this to be a continuous sort of never complete process. Um, so certainly there is a strong culture of innovation within ING. And, and that's sort of expressed in different ways. Um, ING has quite a quite a, a well-staffed and well-funded, and and generally well-regarded um, innovation function, innovation group, uh, which has uh, several sort of teams doing different things. Um, so there's ING Labs, um, which is primarily a company builder. Uh, they have a lab in Amsterdam, in London, and in Singapore, um, where internal and external teams are supported to build products. And if the market testing is successful, then those products are then either spun in and become uh, part of a business unit, or in some cases, they are spun out into companies. And there's, there's already been quite a few successful examples of that. ING Labs also operates as a kind of accelerator program. It's more, and it's operated out of Brussels, and it used to be called the FinTech Village. It's now called the Brussels Lab. But they, they invite an annual cohort of startups to effectively help ING solve ING problems. And so in a sense, it's more like a kind of proof of concept lab, but which has been very successful and is, is very well regarded. Next to ING Labs, there's um, what's called the FinTech Partnerships Team, which is a team of, of, of people who, who research and benchmark early and growth stage companies for ING to collaborate with, often at the request of an ING business unit that have a problem they're looking for a solution for. 
and they also manage the relationships that ING has with those early and growth stage companies. Right. And I think at the moment they have about 170 or so collaborations with these early and with these startups. And then maybe finally, um, there's ING Ventures, the team that I'm part of, and we invest into what we consider to be the best startups that we believe in in, in being relevant to the future of financial services and beyond banking. Right. So and what is your team's mandate? And, uh, you know, given that you're an investor, a corporate VC arm, basically, of ING, uh, it's quite important to see whether you are a strategic investor or you do it for profit. Uh, you know, there are ways to do it one way or another or both ways, right? So what's important for you? And then if you do look at the strategy, how far or how close to the current ING business, the, the potential portfolio companies have to be? So I'm one of the two managing directors of ING Ventures, and we report to ING's group head of innovation, uh, who reports directly to the CEO. ING Ventures was formed in, in late 2017 with a 300 million euro capital commitment from the management board. So that's only ING's money. And with a mandate to invest into early and growth stage companies globally, uh, even though we're focused on, on Europe, the US and Asia, probably more Europe. And our mandate is to achieve both a financial return and a strategic return for ING. And we can unpack that a bit more, but uh, we've certainly found that it's difficult to achieve a strategic return from companies that are not financially successful. And so that, that financial aspect of what we do is really important. Right. Uh, but what are the strategic KPIs, for example, just a handful for you? I mean, how do you look at that? We have quite a lot of flexibility in terms of how we interpret that strategic return. And, and, and that's important. I can explain that later. But I'd say that the main justifications or, or the main strategic returns that we, we aim to achieve is to support companies. So number one, to support companies with whom ING has some kind of collaboration or has the intention to collaborate. So we, we, we help them with their funding journey by investing. We, we become closer to them. And it can be a, you know, a very powerful win-win relationship. Second reason is, is what we call sort of a deep out-of-the-money option. So we've made investments into companies that are not immediately relevant to ING today, but where we believe that in the future they will be relevant. And so we like to place bets, uh, which are maybe a little bit more out there. Because if we only ever invest into things that are relevant for ING today, then, then, then we're never a step ahead of you know, what's happening in the market. So, so we like to have that flexibility. And then maybe finally, kind of, we've also made two investments into companies where we felt that there's almost like a hedge. So effectively, they're competing against ING. And by investing into these companies, supporting them, staying close to them, from an ING shareholder perspective, we were sort of hedging uh, the activities of the bank by being close to those companies. Mm -hmm. So those, I'd say, are the three main themes when we look at um, sort of strategic returns. Great. And uh, what kind of startups have you invested in? Uh, maybe let's call, you know, classify it by whether that's B2B, B2B or by geography, but also by the stage, right? You kind of alluded to, you know, taking also uh, wilder bets. So maybe that means that uh, companies are even pre-revenue or, or not. Yeah, it's quite a mix. So we currently have a portfolio of 32 companies that we've invested in. Um, and we've made seven year to date, so we've been we've been very active throughout this difficult and complicated 2020. We actually inherited a portfolio of ten investments that were made before ING Ventures was formed in 2017, and those investments were had been made by various teams within ING. The, the earliest of those is actually Cabbage, uh, where ING invested in 2015, and Cabbage, um, if what we read in the news uh, that American Express will acquire Cabbage, will also be our first exit. Uh, which will be good to have that on the board. 
most of the investments that we've made are into Series A and Series B stage companies. Of the 32 companies in our portfolio, three investments are in the US, two are in Asia, and the rest are, are scattered around Europe. But we also have a growing number of seed stage investments, and those are mainly fall into two buckets, um, either companies that have been co-created um, by ING, uh, so let's say consortiums uh, where ING collaborates with other banks to create a new solution in the market, or uh, seed stage companies that are effectively ING lab spinouts, uh, of which there is a growing number. The majority of our portfolio is B2B um, as a business model, um, but we've also invested into five B2C companies, which are WeLab, which is a Hong Kong-based um, consumer lending platform. Fintonic started off as a personal financial management tool in Spain, but they're now sort of evolving into a kind of like full sort of financial services platform. I think even Neobank in Spain, but also growing in Mexico and Chile. Uh, invested in Twisto, which is a Czech Republic and Poland buy now, pay later platform. Uh, Clark, which is a digital insurance broker and robo-advisor in Germany. And Scopity, uh, which is a, a property technology company in Germany. Great. And how do you find them? How does your scouting work? Uh, do you do research leveraging maybe AI or your analysts do it? Or you have so much inbound that, uh, you know, you're scared to pick up a phone? How does that work? <laughs> it's, it's a big mix, actually. I mean, we, we try to operate following venture capital best practices. So we do all the usual things, you know, networking, attending conferences. But we also have the advantage of, of leveraging being part of a large and, and quite well-regarded bank with 55,000 employees and operating in 40 markets. So we have that internal crowd that can be very helpful. We do get quite a lot of inbound interest directly. So um, that's either referrals via our network or, or, or LinkedIn uh, or via the, the, uh, the ventures at ing.com email address, um, which is, is on our website. We also get a lot of excellent leads from our colleagues, um, especially that, that fintech partnerships team that I mentioned earlier, and from various innovation-minded colleagues. Uh, and actually, it's quite powerful for us as a filter that a lot of the companies that, that we look at are, are ones that IND is already working with in one shape, form, or another. And that can be very insightful to us as we make investment decisions and gives us basically a, kind of a deeper level of due diligence um, in terms of their way of working, in terms of do their products actually work? You know, what's the technology layer? Um, how do they manage non-financial risks? That sort of thing. In terms of, um, and so recently there have been also a growing number of initiatives coming out of the ING Labs that are reaching what we consider to be sufficient proof points and traction um, that they, they effectively spin out of ING and, and we can support them on that journey. And then finally, we also align ourselves uh, with the strategic priorities of ING itself and, uh, and, and frequently you know, reach out do deep dives, effectively uh, engage in outbound inquiries, um, looking at companies and value spaces that we think are interesting and relevant from an ING perspective. Right. And how does the selection process work? Uh, what are the minimum criteria before investing for you? So in other words, if I come up with a beautiful deck and send it to you and say, Fred, you know, this is an amazing idea, you know, the best thing since uh, sliced bread, as they say, would you back it or do you need uh, MVP? Do you need revenue or how does that work for you? Yeah, we don't technically have a minimum criteria such as uh, annual recurring revenue. Key for us is, the, is that there needs to be some kind of strategic rationale in addition to the financial aspects of the investment thesis being strong. Right. 
I mean, we're not unicorn hunting, unlike sort of a traditional VC. And so I'd say our criteria is broader. Like we don't need the companies that we invest in to, to, to kind of reach that kind of valuation for us to think it's an attractive investment opportunity. Yeah, I already mentioned earlier, like the kinds of strategic um, returns that we're looking for. That clearly is always sort of front and center. Like we will not invest into a company just because we think it will be a good, good financial investment. Right. And we talked about it, that it's strategic and for profit in a way that the, the portfolio companies have to be viable, right? So profitable, maybe I should have said for gain. You said you, you will have your uh, first, uh, first exit soon. But uh, do you plan for exit or not? I guess you are a minority shareholder. So, you know, that's not much you can do uh, if you wouldn't like the exit, right? Maybe you have some protections there because there are strategic angles to your corporation, maybe multiple channels, how these portfolio companies work with ING. But um, how does the economics work until then, right? I mean, do you just recognize the share of income in your P&L and then uh, if you do have a gain, you have a gain. Is it part of the balance sheet as well? I, I guess so, right? Not the fund. Yeah, we, we operate just as a team within ING and we're, we're investing from ING's balance sheet. I'd say we're patient capital, so we don't have, you know, we don't sit under the same kind of pressure that a fund would sit under to, to deliver returns within you know, a short time frame. But we are still investors at heart. And so it is important for us to, to deliver financial returns. And we have internal KPIs against which we are measured in, in that regard. But there are also some investments that we will make on behalf of, of some business unit within ING where there might never be the intention to sell that position. Um, and so within our portfolio, we have different buckets um, in terms of how we measure sort of the performance and, and the returns. But yeah, we, we, we operate, I'd say, much like every other you know, CVC in the market, like Right. So, well, that leads me to uh, maybe a sub-question, you know, how does the monitoring of your cooperation of the performance work? You know, you have your uh, threshold uh, returns that you want to hit, etc. But for instance, if there things don't go the way you want it, right? Uh, imagine that obviously it's startup, so the success percentage is low. So how does that work in, in, that, in that case? You know, how do you step in? How do you work together to, to fix it? Or you know, do you want to also exit the things that are not going well the, the right way before it's even worse? Or in other words, what I want to say is, yes, it's strategic and it's financial. That also means that you are a responsible investor, right? And sometimes, uh, you know, difficult decisions have to be made. Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, we've been quite lucky until now that, that we haven't had um, any seriously difficult situations, uh, but they will come. And, and that is a normal part of the sort of portfolio theory and also the risk profile of 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 what we do there will be there will be losses and and sadly losses usually occur before the big wins occur which is never ideal when you're when you're part of a corporate that has a quarterly reporting etc but um i'd say our portfolio is generally healthy but we we do we do follow our portfolio very closely we are often on the boards of the companies we invest in either as a, as a full right. board member or as an observer in some cases, that role is taken up by a member of the business uh, where there is a strategic relationship. Uh, for example, Contour, which is a Singapore-based company that's developing digital letters of credit. The head of ING's trade finance unit is, is on the board of that company because he's an expert in that area. He can add value to their journey. And so that makes sense in that particular instance. But we, you know, we will try to help those companies that we invest in as best we can um, Every situation is unique, and, and in some cases, investing more capital um, 
helps the management teams you know find the path to a solution or, or, or just continue to grow their business there will be situations where where we will no longer have appetite to support a company because we are not convinced in in you know their ability to to, to be successful i keep on pressing about this to some degree but it's it's not only about that but are there any lessons learned that you can share with the audience you know the things that uh, whether the startups or the corporation setup could have been uh, maybe different or you know things like that yeah there's quite a lot of lessons learned um i'll say well i think having a relatively lean and independent governance within in this case ing ventures is is really helpful and uh it enables us to operate in in a quite an efficient way where we have clear accountability and there's also a concentration and, and leveraging of of the experience of the team rather than sort of outsourcing investment decisions to people that don't do that as their main job so the the investment committee of ing ventures is myself the other md and the group head of innovation of ing up to a certain threshold, up to 10 million euros. If we invest beyond that point, then we involve the management board of ING. But I think that that's definitely a lesson learned. And I've seen how the governance has been set up in other CVCs. And it's, it's, it, I'd say the way we have it is, is definitely a, a better way of setting it up. I'd say another lesson learned, I mean, collaborating with a bank like ING can take time, uh, but it can be massively impactful, uh, both reputationally and commercially for, for startups analysis and due diligence of early stage companies is really important and we also have the ability to leverage our as i mentioned 55,000 colleagues which can be really helpful because we have data science experts we have machine learning experts we have distributed ledger experts and, and we can draw on that knowledge and resource but in parallel you know gut feel is also really important and 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 that's helped by at least in my case for having done the job of being a principal investor for, for over 15 years now Another lesson learned, I'd say there's no silver bullet when it comes to innovation in a large corporate. There are lots of relevant initiatives that we're involved in, both from an investment perspective, but also from a collaboration perspective. And, and together, I think these can have a large impact over time, if given the time and if given the right level of support and engagement from the business. Another lesson learned in this space, I'd say, is that startups should constantly be investing time into a network of potential investors, especially when they're not raising around, actually, in the short term. I think it will make it much easier for them to raise capital when they do raise around. And then maybe final sort of pearl, if you want, um, and we've invested into quite a few B2B companies. And I see it time and time again that they just really need to be careful that they don't only chase large potential clients, but also sign up a constant stream of small and medium-sized customers from whom they can learn, demonstrate a product, demonstrate product market fit, and, and build traction. And this then will help them land um, bigger contracts. Right, right. Well, you know, you talked about the success stories of the startups that you invested in, etc. Is there any favorite child that you have? I know it's very hard because everybody loves their children equally. I know that. So again, you know, you, uh, blame it on me that uh, uh, you had to say only one or two. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you're right. It's like picking a favorite child. I mean, I'll say Eigen Technologies. Uh, we only invested um, earlier this year, but but the, the sort of the ING Ventures journey with them has, has been going on for for um, extending like over a year before we made the investment, and uh, we helped ING and um, Eigen um, get across the line for, for, in terms of getting a master services agreement just in parallel while we were investing, and then off the back of that investment, we've also agreed a framework with them for a more detailed collaboration which involves data sharing and exploring new use cases, which was as part of that investment round. Um, so there, let's say, ING Ventures was, was, was helpful 
to Eigen in terms of getting them across the line with the corporate. And I think that we have a very sort of symbiotic and, and, and uh, a win-win relationship with them. So another company um, in our portfolio that we have a close uh, working relationship is, is called Flowcast. They're based in San Francisco. We invested about a year ago. They have a, uh, just completed a successful proof of concept with ING Belgium as part of the Brussels lab mm-hmm. to develop an early warning system for ING retail um, to identify when uh, retail clients are likely to go into financial distress to help ING approach those clients with potential solutions and, and to offer them assistance before a negative event occurs. You know, they're developing that technology with ING Belgium and, and hopefully if that's successful, we can scale that across um, the other ING countries. And maybe a final example is, is uh, maybe Cobase is a company that was built within the ING labs. We, uh, they, they were spun out and, and we held the majority position um, in that company and, and helped them succeed in the market. Um, and earlier this year, um, actually, I think it's Nordea and Credit Agricole invested and have, have now moved us to a position where we're no longer a majority shareholder, which, which is our, was our intention. Um, but yeah, it's a kind of financial success story from the ING Labs, which we like to see as well. Great, uh, Fred. So uh, it was interesting to hear what you what you up to. What kind of people would you like to hear from most? You know, whether that would be potential startup founders looking to work with you, or uh, hubs that uh, you know may have ideas where they've seen the startups that may be of interest for you. You know, uh, and what's the best way to to reach out to you? I mean, the best way to get in touch with us is always via a referral. I find. So try to find somebody that knows a member of the ING Ventures team to get to get a proper introduction by email uh, is always best. Otherwise, there there is an ING Ventures website, uh, which is uh, as part of the ING main bank website. And there are sort of digital forms that people can fill out depending on the nature of their inquiry. And there's also an email address, which is ventures at ing.com where the team regularly monitors what comes in there and and we frequently discuss inquiries and and investment opportunities that come in via the the email address. Look, generally, we're we're always interested in in, in speaking to or learning about uh, interesting companies that are shaping the future of financial services and beyond banking. It needs to be what we consider to be relevant to the future of ING as well, which is not always easy for people from the outside to, to make that judgment. But I'd say... ING's geographic footprint of being mostly, you know, actually the only retail bank that sort of covers pretty much every country in continental Europe um, outside of Scandinavia. It's kind of aligning with that footprint, I think, is really helpful in terms of increasing the, the strategic relevance. Look, and, and we're also always interested in speaking to other investors, um, investors into fintech companies, either earlier stage, so investing into seed and, and pre-series A companies or indeed um, investors that are investing to sort of Series B, Series C, who might be interested in our portfolio. Also, always happy to speak to them and, and build out that network. Great. Well, thank you, Fred, and good luck to ING Ventures. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.